The best part of doing a podcast is taking full accountability when the opportunity presents itself. And to that end, I, I need to take some full accountability. I, I need to reveal something to you, my intrepid listeners. Um, those of you who are friends with me on social media might be aware that I posted a status not too long ago asking if I should do my next podcast episode completely naked. So, full disclosure, this is my next podcast episode, and I am not wearing pants, but I am wearing a robe, so I am technically not completely naked, and I feel kind of guilty about that. I will be doing an episode in the future completely naked. I've already talked to my guest about whether or not they would feel comfortable with that. Again, phone call. We're not going to be sitting here in studio naked, although that is on my podcasting bucket list. So we'll see if that ever happens. Yeah. Welcome to Red Leg Revolution, a show about community. I am C-Dubs, your host. And one of the ways that we can build better community is by getting some fucking therapy. This goes for everybody, but particularly for my male-identifying homies who are struggling against the patriarchal norms of the United States, which has taught us that getting therapy is weak. I'm going to touch a little bit about that particular subject later on, but this is like more just a an overview of some of the issues and benefits of therapy, and to a degree, it's a full-on commercial for your local therapist because we need to get our shit together. Y'all know I talk a lot about emotional issues on this show and relationships and generational trauma, and one of the reasons I'm able to do that and be so open about that is because I am in therapy, and having those skills both communication and coping skills taught to me by a professional licensed therapist has really helped me start to kind of find my focus in life and figure out who I am and be content. There's a lot of other elements that are incorporated into my healing journey, things like journaling or meditation we did a whole episode about, but Therapy is really, for me at least, the glue that ties it all together. I can do all this work on my own, but sometimes it takes an outside influence to be like, okay, but did you consider doing this or thinking about this like that way? And that's what allows me to kind of go into these coping mechanisms that are more healthy than sitting around contemplating harming myself. So I'm really happy that I have therapy. Before we get too into what we are going to talk about today. I just want to let y'all know that this is another one of those episodes that I didn't entirely script. Well, honestly, I didn't script at all. I just needed to put some content out today, and I have therapy this afternoon, and I figured, what the hell? Let's talk about therapy and why it's beneficial. So if things are a little less flowy than normal, that's why, but I do have a whole bunch of notes and stuff to go over. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. So first off, I've heard frequently in my own life, why don't men get therapy? And we're going to talk about more of the emotional stuff attached to that later. But let me just tell you all my story. I'm a man and I'm finally in therapy, but it took 30 some odd years to get there. 
I first realized that I probably needed therapy when I was about 11 or 12 and was facing some very heavy suicidal ideations, a lot of pent-up anger that if you've listened to my episodes about being poor or about my father, you probably have a pretty good idea of why I'm angry. And also I was um, molested when I was a child and that obviously (laughs) gave me a whole lot of residual anger and shame and guilt and all that fun stuff that comes with that particular issue. So I bring that up for a couple reasons. One, the sheer fact that I can think about that, let alone talk about it on mic, is a result of therapy and working through it with EMDR therapy with my last therapist. And I still haven't like put those issues to bed within myself. But I am at a point now where I can at least think about it or talk about it without the actual feelings of fear and victimization washing over my my physical body. I'm a bit more well-equipped to cope in a healthy way. And a lot of those coping skills I did pick up in therapy. I also bring it up because... One of the reasons that I didn't get therapy, despite knowing I needed it since I was 12, was because of the inherent costs associated with it. My parents were aware, I think, that I needed therapy at a young age, but all my siblings also had various emotional and physical issues when we were kids and we were dirt poor. So, like, my craziness was going to be the least obstruct the least obstruction in any of their kids lives and we just couldn't afford it this trend started well into my adulthood i never had money or good enough insurance or an eap that actually would give me full therapy so despite knowing i needed it my entire life it was just not an option to me if it came down to getting therapy and paying the rent or getting therapy and buying my kids food I I consider my number one job as a father is to provide some security to my kids, so obviously I made the choice to pay bills instead of trying to help myself with professional help. And the only reason I have therapy now is because I was molested as a child. I am currently getting therapy through the Sexual Trauma and Care Center here in Lawrence, Kansas, who do great work within my community and helping victims of sexual abuse, both male and female, work through their stuff, get therapy, and not have to worry about how am I going to pay for it. I've met both my therapists through the STACK program, and they've done great work with me, as well, you've probably been understanding for the past seven minutes. So if it wasn't for the fact that I was sexually abused as a child, I still wouldn't have therapy. I would have less issues, I think, of particularly anger to work for and feelings of betrayal, but I also wouldn't have the avenues available to me to discuss what's going on in my everyday life and how I react to things tying back to that particular event or my dysfunctional family or my issues with my abusive father or my abusive ex or whatever. 
So it's kind of messed up that I live in a country that's like, everybody needs to work on their mental health, particularly when it comes to the gun debate, yet most people can't afford to work on their mental health with a professional. Obviously, we can all try to do self-improvement on our own, and that's better than not doing anything, but it's less effective than having someone teach you. I think of it like them old kung fu movies, right? If you're just some random dude standing out in your backyard, breaking boards, throwing punches at trees, whatever, then yeah, technically you're working on yourself, but you're going to be a lot more effective and get to where you want to go a lot quicker if you go find yourself a Mr. Miyagi type who will show you, oh no, you shouldn't be wasting your time breaking boards, you should be carrying water up a mountain or something. So having that professional guidance is so important, and it's so not available to a large subset of our population, regardless of gender. It's, and like so many other things, it's a sign of privilege to be able to have therapy, to either be able to afford it out of pocket, or to have insurance that would help, or a job that offers a good EAP. Side note about EAPs. If you don't know, an EAP is an employee assistance program. And EAPs put off or put out by companies can help you with a lot of things. They usually offer smoking cessation. Um, they might offer help with like uh, moves if you're relocating or something like that. And frequently, as we've moved into the 21st century, more and more of them are offering therapy as an option which is great. That's where we should be moving toward. If I owned a company and employed people, I would want my people to be happy and content and do better work because they're happy and content. And part of that would be working on themselves. The problem with EAPs, at least that I came across, was I had a couple jobs that offered these. And <laughs> to be honest, they're like, oh, you get three to five free sessions. And I'm like, Bro, I got a lot of trauma to uncover and work through. All three to five sessions is going to do is upset me without giving me any type of support or closure without me having to pay. It's essentially the old trope about drug dealers. First hit's free and then you're hooked. So I never really took advantage of my EAPs because I had enough self-awareness to know that that would actually be more detrimental to my mental health and that's also a problem within doing self-work without a therapist is you can uncover some pretty scary shit and not and be overwhelmed by it not have any idea how to actually cope or change your thought processes and if you bring up these scary things that happened to you as a kid and you're not prepared for them they can dwell even more so inside you so I guess it's kind of a devil you know versus the devil you don't thing. And for me personally, I I had a harder time being aware of the stuff that had happened to me without the support than I did when I was just quashing it all down and repressing it. So <laughs> that's one of the issues with therapy. So let's start getting into some of this research that I did because I don't want to start getting myself mentally prepped for my own session here in a few hours. So let's start by talking about, because we kind of already did, the cost of therapy, okay? So from an article on Forbes Health, 
titled How Much Does Therapy Cost in 2023 by Ashley Loretta and Elena, and fact checked by Elena Hall. Quote, Access to affordable health care is a valid concern in the U.S. where terms like premium, copay, deductible, and out-of-pocket maximum can make what should be a simple process all the more cumbersome, and that's if you have insurance at all. For those who don't, regular doctor's appointments or sudden illness can lead to extreme financial hardship, making treatment, let alone a service like therapy, seem inaccessible. The average cost of psychotherapy in the United States ranges from $100 to $200 per session, depending on the state, according to a 2019 report by Simple Practice, a practice management system for mental health professionals. When seeing a therapist in person, you're likely to be billed per session. There are instances, however, where you would be billed a monthly fee, such as for subscription-based services received through an app. Your average monthly cost depends on your per-session rate and session frequency. End quote. So we see that the cost of therapy can be prohibitively expensive for people who are surviving paycheck to paycheck, and it's still not widely um, available in free or low-cost situations. If you happen to have insurance, you still have to deal with copays and deductibles and all that. And if you don't, you're lucky if you can find a therapist who does a sliding scale situation or pro bono. So it's it's really difficult. On that subject, I, I was very beneficial in that regard. My first therapist was Stack about a month and a half after I started with her and started to establish a great client relationship with her, she went from the nonprofit she was working with to start her own private practice. And I don't sweat her for that. She's a great therapist and I am very happy to have known her. But when she realized she was going into private practice, she told me, started one of our sessions that in a month or so, she'd be in private practice, and she didn't want to leave me hanging because we were just starting to get into my work. And she also realized that I was going through stack because I was I, I couldn't afford private therapy. So to her credit, she was like, look, I want to keep working with you through my private practice. I don't want to leave you hanging, and I don't want to make it that you can't afford to do therapy, at least till we work through the main thing I went in there, the whole being molested thing. And she was like, look, I'll give you like six months of free therapy because I know you can't afford it and I think I can help you. And plus, I'm a a pretty entertaining patient to have. If you listen to my podcast, just imagine me sitting in a small room podcasting just about my emotions. But she was cool as hell and was like, I'm going to help you see through this. And I'm very grateful that she was in a position where she could do that without damaging her own business. And she did. She sat through it uh, another six months with me, and we worked through a lot of my stuff. As we got closer to where my free therapy was going to end, we started discussing how we could possibly continue on a pay basis. She eventually, oh well, we both mutually agreed Though when the free period was over, I would start paying her an equivalent to my hourly rate as a contractor. And as a leftist, I appreciated that. Uh, To me, it's a labor trade, and 
it, it perfectly equitable. An hour of my time um, and my experience and my tools traded for an hour of her time and her experience and her tools and her particular, you know, line of work. So I was very beneficial to have that therapist as well as the fact that when I needed to go back to the stack program because I couldn't afford her private practice, she um, sent an email to her former employees, gave them a heads up. So when I got back into the wait list, I got speed tracked and matched with a new therapist like within a week. So I didn't have any dip or pause in my therapy, which can be a real bad thing if you're dealing with real deep emotions like we were talking about earlier. Sometimes it's therapy will stir, will stir up the demons that dwell inside you who may or may not have been quiet for decades. And if you don't have the proper support when those feelings come up, you, you're, you can be in very grave danger. It can be very overwhelming having these feelings that you've worked your whole life to hide come up and you just feel, you know, um, you, you, you just can't do it. So I know this firsthand, and again, that's why I didn't go to therapy for, for years because I knew it wasn't going to be good. So therapy is super expensive, and despite the strides we've made in healthcare in the United States and the cultural shift around therapy, it's still prohibitively expensive. And that's not, it's not just time, right? Like if you're a, a working person who is working two jobs for minimum wage, you have little free time to do any self-care, let alone take time out of your day to go to therapy, particularly if it's in person and you may not have a car, so now you have to take a bus or spend money on an Uber that you don't have. So a lot of the reasons I think that people avoid therapy is is that. That's one of the big ones. It's not. Plus, we all have issues with our own self-worth, so it's like, oh, well, I'm not worth spending that money on or making that effort, particularly when you view the money that you need to spend on taking care of your family or more basic needs for just yourself. If I can't keep a roof over my head, it isn't going to matter if I have therapy because I'm still going to be freaking out because I'm homeless. <laughs> so speaking about the costs of therapy, people might bring up the, well, what about these online therapy apps that are now becoming more and more available? Aren't they cheaper than traditional therapy, and don't they work just as well? Well, there's a lot to be said about that. So we're going to take a short break, and then when we get back, we are going to talk about some of the issues with those online therapy portals or whatever. So my plug for this episode is therapy in general. Get some. And my anti-plug is, as you will find out, probably don't use the better help service. So here's some ads. We'll be right back. 
Hey y'all, capitalism sucks, but Benavie Farms and Nursery is part of my community. Benavie Farms and Nursery is Kansas City's local sustainable nursery whose main focus is saving our little buzzing comrades, the bees. Bees are a primary pollinator for the world's food supply, and their species are declining at a rapid pace due to destruction of their native habitats. Benavie Farms and Nursery realize the importance of not only growing your own food, but also saving the bees. At Benavie Farms, they specialize in perennials, pollinators, and produce, so you can support a community initiative, plant a garden, and save the bees all at the same time. We talk a lot about food security on my show, and the first step is growing your own food for yourself and your community, and you can do that while saving our pollinators. The staff at Benavie Farms are knowledgeable, friendly, helpful, and inclusive, and can't wait to help you start or expand your garden this spring. To learn more about a sustainable no-till urban farm, go to benaviefarms.com or find Benavie Farms on Facebook. I just got my hours cut again? How can I pay my bills? Yeah, it sucks, especially since they only pay us minimum wage. But what can we do? Solidarity Man. That's right, fellow workers. It is I, Solidarity Man, champion of the working class, and it sounds like you need a union. A union? That's right. What power on earth is weaker than the feeble strength of one? So a union makes us strong? That's right. Alone, you can do little to change your situation, but together you can move mountains, and the industrial workers of the world are here to help. Huh? The IWW is a union for all workers, no matter the trade, job, or career, and we want to organize your workplace. Wow. Where can we find the IWW? In your hometown. The IWW has branches all over the world. Check out IWW.org to find your local membership board or join as an at-large member and start your own chapter. After all, our greatest superpower is working together. I must go. I hear another exploited worker calling for help. But remember, the working class and the employing class have nothing in common. Away! Bob was just a normal suburban guy trying to make ends meet until one day everything began to change. I guess I'll log into Facebook. Hmm, that looks like a fun main page. It came for him without warning. He had no idea what dwells deep in the swamps. Hey, they also just give away seeds and stickers. It had him hooked and he didn't even realize it. Well, Produce is getting expensive, and I've always thought about starting a garden. The beast from Florida is coming, with one goal. Hey, and I could give the extra vegetables away too. Anarchy. Well, maybe it's just best if we all help each other. Coming to a post office box near you, the Skunk Ape Liberation Union. are back. I thought about doing a plug for my former therapist's private practice, but honestly, I don't know how comfortable she would feel me doing that on my show. She knows my politics, and it was something we often discussed was how capitalism was contributing to my overall issues, but at the same time, given the fact that I advocate for some pretty questionable things if you are not me I so uh, yeah bottom line is I don't want to shout her out publicly but you guys can always get into my DMs if you are local 
and need a good therapist, I've got a couple on deck and I would be happy to help you get with somebody who helped me improve my life and my mental hygiene. So, and the biggest part or benefit of my therapist was that I knew that she was going to be confidential and responsive to my needs. And doing research for this episode, apparently BetterHelp does not do that. So let's find out about that. I'm going to read something from the Federal Trade Commission, which honestly I did not expect to cite for a episode about therapy, but it came up in my search, so let's do it. From the Federal Trade Commission business blog uh, by Leslie Fair on March 3rd, 2023. Quote, In the hierarchy of confidential data, health information ranks right up there. And in the hierarchy of health information, details about a person's mental health may be among the most confidential. But according to the FTC, that's not how online counseling service BetterHelp viewed it. The FTC says the company repeatedly pushed people to take an intake questionnaire and handed over sensitive health information through unavoidable prompts. And it promised to keep that information private through statements like, Rest assured, any information provided in this questionnaire will stay private between you and your counselor. But from the FTC's perspective, a more truthful statement would have been, rest assured, we plan to share your information with major advertising platforms, including Facebook, Snapchat, Criterio, and Pinterest. End quote. So I, I didn't know about this. I had heard vague rumblings on the Reddit for my favorite podcast, which is sponsored by BetterHelp, and I don't have any particular beef with the host for signing that contract he's got bills to pay too and that is his main livelihood plus he does a lot of good work outside of his podcast in the community so that's allowing him to do so but on that message board people were saying like isn't better help kind of messed up why are you doing plugs for him and so i just kind of generally looked that up to see what was going on and saw that and was like oh Jesus, I'm glad that I have a local therapist and I am not utilizing that service. So there's other issues that have come up with BetterHelp service. It's not just the information thing. I'm not surprised by the information thing. I'm disgusted by it, but I'm really not surprised. Anything app-based is going to be sharing our information, and I don't care if that's BetterHelp, TikTok your portal for your newspaper if you're a boomer like it's all gonna go into the pot and that's not unique to better help so i am not at all surprised or shocked that oh look here's another way we can capitalize off of the working class and it's particularly egregious to me because we're paying for the service right like i guess it's subscription based you pay for a month and all that so they're already getting paid but because of capitalism they're like well let's go ahead and sell their data too and squeeze some more blood from the stone other problems at better help are issues with the actual practices that the therapists are using so from an article on newsweek titled better help patients furious at sketchy therapists by Shira Libartov on November 28, 2022. Quote, 
BetterHelp has re received positive reviews, earning 4.04 out of 5 stars from the Better Business Bureau, along with an accredited A rating. Nonetheless, one hashtag on TikTok has triggered a firestorm over allegedly problematic providers. On November 7th, a TikTok user posed the question, how many years do you think it's going to be before we see a true crime documentary about better help? I say four. The hashtag, and then she utilized the hashtag, better help therapy is a scam. The hashtag had been viewed 1.4 million times on TikTok, opening a floodgate of frustrated better help patients. In a wave of viral responses to that video, patients described experience ranging from unprofessional and uncomfortable to overtly triggering. I tried BetterHelp twice. I actually got a refund from them. My therapist was 10 minutes late to our 10-minute meeting, our first initial meeting. Another patient sh said they shared a story that was traumatic for her, but the therapist failed to focus on her experience and then repeatedly attempted to market her own book. Another TikTok user said she met with BetterHelp therapists for three weeks before realizing her privacy was compromised. Yet another patient issued a warning to viewers in a video seen over three million times. Do not trust BetterHelp therapists. They are so sketch. My one session with a BetterHelp therapist re-traumatized me to the point where I don't know if I'll ever go back to therapy again. She alleges the therapist was confused by her diagnosis of complex post-traumatic stress disorder, seemingly not understanding what the term meant, and expected the patient to describe the difference between CPTSD and PSD. So, end quote. Ah, I dropped my phone. I wonder if that picked up the audio. Maybe, maybe I'll leave it in there, kind of. I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to get my professionalism up as I get more listeners, but sometimes I want y'all to remember that I'm just one guy doing this in my living room. So, like I said, I've never used BetterHelp, so I'm not speaking from my own experience, but I do know how some of those things could be particularly damaging to a client-therapist relationship. If you're showing up 10 minutes late to a 10-minute meeting, then it, I, I can't blame the patient for feeling like disrespected and not prioritized and punctuality I think is very important. My in-person therapist may run a couple minutes late if her previous session goes over but we're not talking 10-15 minutes. Although that happened once or twice when we were still doing remote but that was all internet connection and the particular service we were using to meet so I definitely don't beef her for that. So yeah, just showing up on time is a big deal. And if a therapist isn't properly informed in what these different types of disorders of thought are, it can be super, super damaging. And like the difference between complex PTSD and regular PTSD, that's not particularly obscure. It should be in every therapist's toolbox so they can approach the situation in the proper manner. Since therapy requires so much trust, it's important to maintain that trust on both sides. For a client, it's important to be as honest as you possibly can with your therapist without necessarily wanting to go on a grippy sock vacay. So you have to be honest with them so they can help you. And on the flip side, your therapist needs to be competent, professional, have a good warm presence so you feel like you can open to them. And 
if they if that's not there, it can turn people off therapy completely. We go to therapy and we are asking ourselves to be vulnerable, oftentimes with a perfect stranger, and that is a hard enough task in and of itself without adding things that come with the commercialization and apicization? I don't know. That should be a word, even if it's not, of everything. The commodification, I guess, is a good word. Of everything, particularly therapy. I thought about doing a little bit in here about the benefits of therapy, like on a point-by-point basis, but I think at this point we're all pretty much aware of how therapy can help in our various realms of life, whether it's improving focus or your interpersonal relationships or your relationship with yourself, confronting past trauma or grief. Therapy has a lot of benefits, and I, I want to make it very clear that I am very pro-therapy, and even though I'm sitting here dumping on better health, that is that particular service that I am dumping on and not therapy in general. Everyone benefits from therapy, regardless of gender, uh, sexuality, race, class. We all can benefit from getting to know ourselves better. And there are some issues that are unique to each of those things that I listed. For example, if you are a member of the Alphabet Mafia, you might be worried about finding a therapist who is maybe more a conservative type who will judge your lifestyle. If you are a woman, you might particular potentially have issues with your therapist just chalking everything up to hysteria. And if you are a black person, perhaps the institutional racism of this country is contributing to your mental health, and maybe you don't it's hard to find a therapist who understands that. Like, for me, it's capitalism. I'm acutely aware how capitalism plays into my overall mental health, and if I had had a therapist that I couldn't be like, yeah, I kind of want to die because I can't pay my bills, and they didn't respect that, then I wouldn't have a healthy relationship with my therapist, and in fact, it'd probably be more damaging. So there are definitely various issues that we all have to consider given our privilege or lack thereof of what we want in a therapist. And as many of our shows, I'm going to speak on the next subject as a man. I'm speaking strictly from my own experience, and I'm acutely aware of the issues that everybody else has to deal with, so I'm not trying to put mine up above anybody else's. It's just what I feel competent and capable of speaking of. So, as a man, which I'm sure we're all aware of because of the dad issue podcast I did and the um, masculinity podcast I did, there is certain issues, there are certain issues that men in particular run into when attempting to get therapy. For example, I knew I wanted to briefly touch on this subject, so I hopped on Google and I searched for issues with men getting therapy. And some of the um, people also ask questions is, why is it hard for men to go to therapy? Is it okay for a man to go to therapy? Are men more resistant to therapy? Can a man be a man and go to therapy? Like, it's there. The 
insidiousness of the patriarchal society that we have built in regards to emotional health is still still prevalent. We've been working on it for decades, and I like to think that we are getting more to where we need to be, but we are still far from there. So, from an article from Orlando Health, published on November 9th, 2021, by Siddharth K. Shah, MD. Quote, from a young age, boys are often told that they need to be strong and independent, keeping their emotions and thoughts to themselves. This belief has far-reaching consequences. In the United States, men are 3.6 times more likely to die by suicide than women. The higher suicide risk is associated with men being less likely to seek help for mental health issues. 9% of men in the U.S. report feeling daily feelings of depression or anxiety, and one-third of men report having lived through a period of depression in their lifetime. For men, depression often goes unidentified in part because their symptoms are different different than for a woman. Men with depression may experience symptoms such as anger, irritability, and aggression, body aches, difficulty focusing, sadness, and many more. There are several... God damn it. I already recut this twice because I keep messing up that word. I'm not cutting it again. There are several reasons why men don't go to therapy. Social stigma. They They fear shame and judgment if they express their struggles. Gender roles. Seeking help may be viewed as a weakness, leading men to be hesitant about seeking psychiatric help. Difficulty expressing emotions. Men may struggle to verbalize their feelings or share them with others, coupled with the ingrained belief that they should man up and deal with themselves. Perception. Some dislike the idea of being dependent on medications or therapy to be functional or feel happy. End quote. So, as again I've talked about in our issues dealing with patriarchy and gender roles in the past that was I think one hurdle that I did have to overcome to even like I knew I needed therapy but whether or not I thought it was okay for me to get therapy was a whole different bag of worms all these things that I had been steeped in from both my father and the greater culture at large growing up in the 80s and 90s definitely stuck with me and my dad was very much a enforcer of toxic masculinity and I got a lot of the what do you have to cry about man up my favorite was I'll give you something to cry about like bro I can cry for other reasons besides you're beating my ass so I was steeped in that and it was really difficult for me to kind of recalibrate my thinking and it became easier as I did more community organizing and activism and talking to other people about patriarchy and stuff but it was still a pretty big hurdle for me to get around and I also am acutely aware that throughout my early adulthood I was crying for help I was falling into all those dangerous behaviors that are a sign that I may need therapy and it was just attributed by my at least ex-wife says I needed medication, which was true. Again, I'm type 1 bipolar among many other scrabble board diagnoses, but it's not all medication, and I'm really turned off by the idea that you can just magically medicate a problem away. It needs to be used in tandem with therapy. I mean, there are some problems that you can medicate away, you know, if you, I don't know, 
have some sort of disease and there's a cure in pill form, probably don't need therapy to help that. But when it comes to mental stuff, yes, medication is a good thing. Medication will help, but medication can only take it so far. I think medication for me helped me kind of float on the sea of my turmoil rather than getting therapy and draining that sea to where I had a bit more control of what's going on. So I definitely internalized a bunch of that, and it was another very big hurdle for me to accept that I needed to get help. And even when I did, I was on a wait list for three months and finally got in. Luckily, I wasn't on the wait list the second time, and I finally did, and I feel a lot better for it. I've been going to therapy for uh, about a year and a half now. I started going in January of last year, and I feel a lot better for it. So if you are considering therapy, please do it. If you can make the time, if you can make the effort, if your life allows you enough privilege that this is an option, please take advantage of it because it it will help you. It will help you in your relationship with yourself, with your kids, with your partners, with your friends, and with the greater community at large. And if we're going to make the good, healthy, utopian community that me and my listeners want, at least on a, on a major level, the, the cult is still a plan on a minor level, but if we're trying to make that on a major level and reform all of society, then the work starts inside us, and how we do that work is going to reverberate out through our community, rather that being, being an inspiration to our friends who may also need therapy, or breaking generational curses so the next generation doesn't carry your trauma on down to the end. So last thing I wanted to kind of touch on before we get out of here is when I have my therapy, I generally spend a good half hour, 45 minutes afterwards, kind of writing up what we talked about, what lessons I learned, what I vented out, what my therapist has given me for homework for the week. And I found that really helpful, not just for me to kind of note what was going on, but I'll have, I'll make new connections between what was said and how I feel as I'm writing it out. So it's almost like an extension of my regular therapy, and it's one that I just do individually. And if you're my friends on social media, I frequently post these screeds. There are certain subjects that I don't talk about in public forum particularly any relationship issues that I'm having because, you know, privacy of my relationship and respect and all that. But <clears throat> even the more intense stuff, like the abuse I suffered as a kid, I'm pretty open about. And one of the reasons that I'm open about it is because I know that because of the stigma of men getting help, this is helping change that stigma. I'm a pretty masculine guy for only being like 5'7". I, I love my beard. I love my guns. I love barbecue. I love beer. I love building stuff and baseball and roughhousing with my kids and, and all that stuff. So I think that it's really beneficial to the greater discourse for me to be outspoken on this subject and be like, look, you know, you can be a beer-drinking, meat-eating, manly man and still go cry at your therapist or at home. So I feel like I'm doing some important work there and this 
episode is an extension of that. Also, I'm waiting for my guest for my next scripted episode, which again will be done 100% naked. Uh, I've, I've heard the people, it just needs to be postponed. But I needed to get some content up this week, and this seemed like a good subject. Plus, again, I have therapy in a few hours, and it was on my brain. So I'm going to go ahead and leave it at that. Homies, men, women, everywhere in between, go get therapy if you're not already. Work on yourself. Help make all your relationships better, because like I said, eventually it will hit the community and make our communities better. And in order for our communities to be better and for us to help one another, we got to help ourselves. And we have to help ourselves because our only hope is each other. Remember to like, subscribe, comment, all that good shit on whatever podcasting service that you use. Help me. I've, I've got rookie numbers. Help me pump those numbers up. You can find me on social media at Red Leg Revolution on Facebook, Red Leg Pod on Twitter. I'm on various other sites, but those are the ones that are most often updated. And you should tell your friends, your mama, your therapist about this show and tell them it was life-changing. Tell them that you can now shoot lasers out of your eyes after listening to the show or, I don't know, you can fly or turn invisible. I don't really care what you tell them. Just make sure that they're finding my podcast page and clicking download. All right, I'm out. Fuck commodified therapy. You can't uber self-healing. Motherfuckers. This has been a production of 419 Media.